I'm excited. I hope you had a good week. It's been good to see what God's been doing with our youth at, at youth camp and, and there. And, and I'm excited for what God wants to do for us here this morning. And um, just singing the songs, these are just about lifting him up and why we're here. Uh, I know for myself this week, I've just kind of God's been telling me to slow down a little bit and just to uh, be in the moment. You know, be in the moment with Him, not just to, to open my Bible up and just skim through and read through the words and write down some little uh, notation or something like that, but to be in the moment and to be in His presence and allow His Word to speak to me and to speak to us. And that's exactly what He wants to do for all of us this morning. Uh, and it's not, um, I know we understand this, but it's not Pastor Mike speaking to you. It's, I don't have the wisdom that God wants to give to us this morning, um, but we do have it in His Word. And so... If you have your Bible with you, or if you have a tablet, or whatever you're using to read the Word of God, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. Yay, we made it! It's only taken a couple months, um, but we have made it to a new chapter. Um, I don't know about you, but I've noticed in the last several years um, that there's become a new tradition with graduates in receiving the book, Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Uh, it seems when graduation is beginning to come around and you can go to some of the stores and you be seeing, begin seeing the shelves stocked with this book over and over again. And uh, did anybody ever receive one of those? A few of us did. Um, if you did not receive one, don't worry. Um, I, I graduated high school, college, and seminary, and I never received one. And so uh, I don't know what that says about me. But it seems to be one of those books that you want to give it to your kids or as they move on, as Dr. Seuss captures moments, that we are going to be going somewhere. We're, we're moving because we're a going people. I mean, just think about all the places you have gone this week. Um, obviously, you have gone to church this morning. Uh, you've gone to eat. You've gone to the bank, to the store. You've taken your kids and they've gone to the activities. Uh, we've, you know, we've gone to the restroom. We've... We, we go places. We go to get ready to go places, right? Uh, you know, it's almost time to go, so we got to go get ready to go. And then we keep going and we go and we go. And sometimes we go places because it's expected of us. Sometimes we go places because we have to. Sometimes we go places because it's our, our habit. Here's the question for us this morning as we're going to be diving into God's Word. What if the places we go, no matter how big, or small, no matter how exciting or mundane, had a roadmap on how to go? What if the places you go today, the places you go this week, no matter how big or small, no matter how exciting or mundane, had a roadmap on how to go to those places? That's what we're going to be unpacking this morning in God's Word. And for the next five weeks, our theme is going to be going with God. And what God does for the Israelites, uh, we're actually going to pick up the pace a little bit in our text. As uh, next five weeks, we're going to uh, get from chapter 3 to the end of chapter 5. That doesn't mean longer sermons. Uh, it just, the way this all unpacks together is meant to go together as a cohesive unit. Um, I believe we all want to go to the right places. I believe when we go to the places we go, we want to be where we're supposed to be in life and how we're supposed to be doing the things in life. If we didn't as parents, we wouldn't get so upset with our kids when we find them in places they shouldn't be and doing things they shouldn't be doing. So we have this expectations on our kids and we should have it on ourselves to be in the places we are to be when we go. And that requires us to understand how to go. Um, we're going to begin in verse 1 of chapter 3. 
We'll be reading through verse 4 this morning. If you have your Bible, you can read along. Joshua chapter 3, Joshua is in the Old Testament, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before." And this is a very momentous moment in the book of Joshua. For us, it's really been setting up over the course of months, but this time has finally arrived where God's people are going to begin to see the places that God has been leading them to go, and they're going to arrive into the land that God has promised them. You know, you think about the centuries of hearing of this land flowing with milk and honey in the, in the last 40 years, just kind of wandering around, wanting to get to the places they wanted to get and places God wanted them to be. Now it's coming to fruition, and we kind of get that sense with Joshua in verse 1. The text says that Joshua rose early in the morning. The language means that Joshua eagerly arose. He was like a child on Christmas morning, rushing down to see his presence. He was like a, a parent on the first day of school, eagerly pushing their kids out the door, or a teacher on the last day of school, eagerly putting the kids onto the bus or onto the parent's vehicle, saying, you know, it's time to go. Joshua wakes up with this expectation, we are finally going to get to go where God has been leading us this whole time. There was this expectation, there was this excitement within Israel. Israel's leader, and there's a warning for us all that in the midst of being excited and having an expectation on where we are going, we can also have a lot of irrational actions in the midst of those excitements and expectations. And so the Lord steps in for Joshua and for the Israelites in verse 2, and He calls them to a three-day waiting period. This three day was mentioned once again in Joshua chapter 1, where we read that Joshua goes and commands the officers of the people that they are to pass through the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan. Now, some interpret Joshua 1 and Joshua 3 as the same event, and it's just a deeper explanation in chapter 3. But you notice that the officers explain a little bit more and tell them to do something a little bit different, which gives us some understanding of Joshua's expectation and excitement. It hasn't been just three days for Joshua. It's been a week that God has told Joshua he's to lead these people in this land. And for a week, he's been waiting. When are we going to go? When are we going to get there? When are we going to take it? So Joshua 3 and Joshua 4 are ultimately tied together as one consecutive event of God's people going. But the central figure in chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Joshua is not the people of God. Rather, it is the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Within these two chapters, we, we inter, were introduced to the ark first time in Joshua in chapter 3, but within chapter 3 and chapter 4, the ark of the covenant is mentioned 17 times for God's people. The command here for God's people is yes to go, but before you go, you are to wait and then you're to follow. See, God's presence was to go before the people and go into the land first. 
And so there's four things I want us to take away this morning from these four verses on going with God and the keys that we can go with God and how we are to do that. The first thing we see is going with God requires preparations for God. Let's keep in mind in the context of the Israelites going here in Joshua. If you go back into Exodus and, and through the Pentateuch, or the latter parts of the Pentateuch, which leads up to Deuteronomy, you see that the Israelite people, God's people in the Old Testament, were not just allowed to pick up their stuff and go wherever they wanted. We're told that in, in Numbers chapter 10, that when the cloud of the Lord, which is over God's people, would move, that's when God's people would understand that they could go. But again, it wasn't like throwing bags into the car or loading something up and driving down the road. For God's people, we're talking about a massive amount of people having to go. And before they could go, the cloud moved. And when the cloud moved, then the, the Levites began gathering the temple and the ta or the tabernacle. And they began putting that together. They began getting the ark and putting it because there's a certain way that they were to carry it when they go. And then the people of God around all of the tabernacle, there's 12 tribes, this massive group of people, would start gathering up their camp and putting their tents together and getting their, their kids and getting their cattle. And then we did in this long procession line, which God said, this is how you are to go. There's a way I want you to go and an order I want you to go. And once they got everything gathered together, the Levites would blow their horns, announcing that the people of God are now moving. We're now going. And then the people would begin marching to wherever the cloud found its resting place. Within Joshua 1 to Joshua 3, when Joshua says, now we're going to go, the people of God had to prepare everything to be ready to go to where God is leading them. This was not a haphazard going for God's people, but that's what we can do sometimes. It's God says, this is where I want you to be. This is where I want you to go. And no, we're not to be unfaithful and unwilling to do that. But sometimes we can go without actually God leading. They were not permitted to go where God was wanting them to go until God commanded them to go and show them the way to go. So whether we're going to work or school or hanging out with our friends, vacation, even just some social gathering, we not only have to prepare physically to go, but here we find we have to prepare spiritually where God is leading us. Look in verse 4, God told Israel, He was doing things this way so you may know the way that you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And that seems kind of strange to me when I read that. Joshua knew where we were going. He knew where God's people were going. He had been in the land before. He knew how to pass over this, this river. He knew the way sh they should go. He knew of Jericho, hence he sent, sent the spies in to check out Jericho. Joshua was fully aware of what was going on. The Israelites were fully aware that we're going into the land because this is what God has promised Abraham, our father. And they knew the way to go. They were on the, the bank of the Jordan River. They could literally see across the river and see the land that God had promised them. They knew that we're moving from east to west. We're moving away from the rising sun and towards the setting of the sun. We know the way to go. We know the direction to go. So we know the where and we know the how, but God wanted them to make sure they understood that. Or we, we know the where and the why, but God wanted to make sure that they understood the how. So for the past 40 years, God had been preparing his people to rely upon him. 
He told them instructions on how to prepare the camp, how to prepare the tabernacle, how to prepare for sacrifices, how to prepare for festivities, how to prepare for the Passover. And all this preparation was to prepare God's people in their heart. And I think that's where we fail when we are going with God most frequently is we prepare to over or we, we overlook the preparing of our heart. Yet throughout Scripture, the preparation of our heart and the preparation of, of God's people's heart seems to be the most important. Before God sent Jesus Christ, He prepared the people's hearts through John the Baptist. When, John, when Jesus spoke of His crucifixion, He said that it was something that God had prepared since the eternity of time. Before Jesus went to Jerusalem, He was anointed by a woman to which He said, She is preparing me for my burial and resurrection. When, when Jesus left, He sent His Spirit, which the Bible says God had been preparing for His people since the beginning of time, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And now Jesus is preparing a place for us in eternity inheritance to which has been set from the foundation of the world. See, God's mindset and God's plan is that we prepare. We don't just be a people of going. But yet that's exactly what we are. We are a busy people who go, 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 and we lack the preparation to be where God wants us to be. We forget the most important ingredient. In 1 Corinthians, it says that those who crucified Jesus did so because they were not prepared. For the love of God. Paul is led by the Spirit to quote from Isaiah 64 in that text, which speaks of God's people not looking for the awesome things that God was doing in their midst. And God wants to do awesome things in the midst of His people, but it requires a personal and a spiritual preparation. So a simple application in you preparing for the places that God wants you to go is this. This week, if you don't do it already, this week, start your day. I know the alarm's going to wake you up, but start your day in the Word of God. It doesn't have to be hours, but pick it up and read maybe a verse. Think upon that verse. Say that verse over and over. Maybe have a devotional you're going through and read that devotional for that day. Start your day in the Word of God in a devotional that's focusing your heart and your mind on God. Start your day in a time of prayer, not a prayer of, oh God, it's so early. But start your, your day in a time of prayer focusing on God and the places you're going to go and what God may be preparing you in that moment to be who He needs you to be in those places. Start your day with a time of worship. I know morning people, worshiping in the morning is, is an easy thing. And maybe for night people it's not. But to praise God, Lord, this is the day you have made. I will give thanks for it. Some simple ways to begin preparing our hearts, because we have to prepare our hearts and our minds spiritually for the physical places they will go. And this is what God does here in Joshua 3. Yes, they knew the promised land was there. Yes, they knew they had to go across the river. Yes, they, they, they knew where and why. But God wants them to take the time to understand the how. Your hearts have to be ready. Our hearts have to be ready for where God is leading. Second thing we see here is God. Going with God requires the presence of God. Verse 3 is already mentioned. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is the central figure in Joshua chapters 3 and 4. The people of God were not to move until the Ark moved. 
And the ark represented the Lord's presence among His people. It was the presence of the Lord and not the numbers of the Israelites, which was setting them apart from all people of the world. Again, the charge on God's people here was even though they were to go first, they were to wait and then follow. People of God may have known where to go, they may have known why, but the command here is this is how you are to go. The land may have represented a promise given to God's people, yet it was not Israel's promise, it was God's. So the ark representing the presence of God upon His people is a physical representation of His divine nature, His authoritative rule, His supreme power, His continual presence and His holiness. Within the ark, we read in Scripture that the law of the Lord was contained in. The law of the Lord represented the holiness of God and also revealed the sinfulness of man, yet the call on God to sinful man to a holy life. The ark contained the staff of Aaron, revealing God's rule over His people and His separation of His people from this world. The ark contained manna, which represented God's continual presence and provision for His people. This ark was a continual representation to God's people that God was amongst His people, even though He is a God who is everywhere and cannot be contained. But the point here is that God's people are not to go anywhere unless they are being led by the presence of God. And so how do we know if we're being led by God in the places that we're going to go? Well, the first thing is, are you saved? If you're not a child of God, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you cannot follow God. You won't. And you can't. It is spiritually impossible to be where God wants you to be if you do not have the Holy Spirit inside of you guiding and leading you. He is not your shepherd. So are you saved? That's the first test. That's a, the first way to know if I'm going to be in the right places. If I'm not saved, I'm already starting in the wrong place. The second thing is, I, am I in the Word of God? How do I know if I'm in the places God wants me to be? Well, am I in the Word of God? Am I allowing the Word of God to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? If I'm not in the Word of God, then I'm not allowing God to speak to me so I can follow His lead. And so a lot of Christians end up being in places they shouldn't be simply because they're not listening to the voice of God speaking to their heart to guide and lead them to the places they should go. Another way that we can make sure that we're in the places we are to be and following God that some Christians take advantage of is to be in church. To be in a gathering of believers. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Matthew 18, 20. A lot of believers simply get into the wrong places because they're not continuing to gather with other believers in fellowship. And gathering with believers doesn't mean finding a chair and sitting during the pastor preaching. Gathering with believers means to engage in one another's life. I can know if I'm following God, if I have believers in my life that are coming along and are able to tell me, you probably shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't handle that thing that way. If I don't have people in my life who are saved and have the Spirit inside of me, allowing to guide and lead me through the Word of God and the truth of God's Word, I'm probably going to find myself in places I never should have gone, which is why a lot of believers who do not attend a church regularly find themselves in places that God never intended them to go. Because there's no discipleship. There's no accountability. 
There are times, though, the Bible says we should find solitude with God. But there's also times where we're warned not to isolate ourselves from the people of God. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Our biggest issue may not be our preparation, but our isolation and our irregularity of being with God's people. Though God dwells in us and through us through His Spirit, the Spirit and the presence of God becomes intensified when God's people gather in His name and in the presence of God becomes manifested to form the church. So we go in the presence of God by preparing our hearts through the Word of God. This is done through solitude. But we gain a clearer vision of going in God's presence, not in an isolation from God's people, but an integration with God's people. Next thing we see in Scripture is going with God requires praising to God. Again, when the ark moved, the presence of God moved. The people were to be prepared to follow the presence of God. But notice the instructions there in verse 4. He says, There shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, nor you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. 10,000 cubits, you may have a little number after the word cubits, which is taking you down to the bottom of your Bible, telling you an approximate measurement of what one cubit is. I'll just give it to you now. 10,000 cubits is the measurement of 10 football fields. It's just over half a mile in distance. The lesson here for God's people is though God's presence is near them, they must have a reverence towards Him. In our going with God, we may be preparing, we may be aware of God's continual presence, but without a proper perspective and praise and reverence towards God, it has little impact on our life. The preparation to the presence of God is to move us to a praising God in reverence. God was going. God was calling His people to go. God was leading His people to go. But the people of God, in order to go, the how-to, you need to remember that God's presence among His people was not to be taken lightly or abused. The distance had a physical meaning for God's people, and they would know precisely how to measure that out. But it also held a spiritual application. It reveals us that a sinful man cannot be near the presence of a holy God. It's a calling upon God's people to live a proper way. David Howard writes, the Israelites as they kept a proper reverent distance from the Ark of the Covenant, it would be shown in which way they should, go, they should walk, both physically and spiritually. Praising God, revering God, and worshiping God isn't just a song, but it's an outlook. It's an attitude in life. Jesus said in John chapter 4, the hour is coming is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Here's a key for us. If we're having issues in worship, we'll have issues in the places we go. The remedy is to return to our spiritual preparations and to focus on the presence of God. That's why we began this understanding of we're crowning Him. He is holy. He is God. He is in charge. Sometimes our our vision gets out of whack, which is the final thing we see and what God wanted His people to understand, is that going with God requires a perception of God. The people of God here in Joshua were prepared to go when God said go. They could see the presence of God in the, in the shape of the ark going the way they should go. 
They were called to keep a reverential fear of the presence of God as an act of worship as they go. And all of this was to prepare them in verse 4 so they would know the way you shall go. They would know God was with them. God was leading them. They would know the place where God wanted them to be. And I think that's where we all want to be as God's people. We want to be where God is, is with us. We want to be where God is leading us. We want to be in those places where we know this is where God wants me to be. It all requires faith. And for the Israelites in this moment, as it's been since the beginning of Joshua, in order to be where God wanted them to be and to go where God wanted them to go, they had to let go of their past. They could not go into the promised land until they had done away with what they held on to in the past. If you read through the Pentateuch, you see the cry of God's people is, oh, it's so much better in Egypt. It was so good there. You know, we had food and we had shelter and we had water. And sometimes we do the same thing. We hear God taking us and wanting us to go places, but we cling so tightly to our past and what is known as our sinful nature. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, that we should lay every weight aside, a sin which clings so closely, and we should run a race with endurance that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For Israel in the past week, they knew God was taking them to Jericho. They knew God was taking them across the river. And for the past week, they were, they were waiting on the actual movement. And a lot of times I, I read Joshua, and I think Jericho was the first battle. I don't know if you ever read Joshua and thought, you know, Jericho is the first battle that the Israelites have to face. But the first battle the Israelites have to face is not Jericho, but rather it's the Jordan River. In chapter 3 and verse 15, we're told that the Jordan overflows its bank throughout the time of harvest. And that's the time that Israel is now to cross this Jordan River. It's the time of harvest. It was not the most opportune time to cross this river now. During the time of harvest, the Jordan River is a fast-flowing, swirling flood, probably 10 to 12 feet deep. Now, I don't know if anybody of you here has ever played the game Oregon Trail. Yes, Oregon Trail, but when you cross the river, there's a good chance you're losing somebody in the family. You know, Bobby's going to flow downstream and die. The cattle's going to fall into the water. Little Billy's going to be overcome with dysentery, all because of the river, right? This was not God's plan. God wanted His people to get across this river in the most unopportune time to cross this river. And in order to do that, they had to fully trust in the God over all creation. Notice what God does here in Scripture. As God says, all right, it's time to go, there's an obstacle in the way. And when God tells us it's time to go, that doesn't mean he's going to remove all obstacles. Yet sometimes that's what we place our faith in. If I'm trusting in God and I'm following God, then everything's going to be smooth sailing. But God doesn't remove the obstacles until the Israelite people, the people of God, are actually moving towards the river and then the river parts. And our going with God, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's always going to look right. It doesn't mean we're always going to be able to figure it out. Notice God, if you read through chapter 3, God doesn't give Israel the full plan. He just says it's time to go. And when it's time to go, it doesn't mean the obstacles get removed, but we trust in the God who leads us through the obstacles. We trust in the God who breaks down the walls of those obstacles. Sometimes we can make excuses because we see the obstacles. You know, I can't do that because, you know, I just don't know enough for whatever excuse we can find. I don't have the time or the resources. 
And so God calls us to go and to be a part of His mission and His kingdom coming, His will being done. And all we see are obstacles, and we fail to see, you know, if God is telling us to go, we just have to trust in the God that can remove those obstacles. The Israelites had to pack up and they had to go. It required preparation. It required them to be in the presence of God. It required them to have a heart of praise toward God. It required them to have a perception of God and to keep focused on Him. This is how we are to go. In our life, whether it's work, whether it's with family, whether it's with social activities or gatherings or friends, is this how we go? Do we go to work preparing our hearts be a representative of God in those places? Do we go to work knowing that the presence of God is upon us and in us? Do we go to work preparing to praise and worship God in the midst of work, even if it's a very bad day? Do we go to work perceiving how God is working around us and through us in people's lives that He has placed in us? How are you going in the places that God is leading you to go? Too often, I think we can just jump in and we can do it. But our going with God and these guidelines is our preparation for our eternal resting place. Right now, God is preparing a place for us that His Word says is from the foundation of all things, of of the earth, of all eternity. And in this moment, we prepare not only in our day-to-day goings, but we prepare for our eternal going by preparing our hearts that this place is not my home, by preparing uh, our, our minds that we're going to be in the presence of God for all eternity, by praising God in this moment as we're going to praise Him in all eternity, by perceiving God and how He's working in this moment as in eternity we're going to see His full glory. Are we prepared? Some of us may be here this morning And there's an obstacle that's keeping us from that. See, God put this 2,000 cubits because the Israelite people, they were sinful people. And the thing that's keeping you from being where God needs you to be and how God needs you to be is your sin. It is an obstacle keeping you from the presence of God, keeping you from experiencing what God wants to do in your life. And God knows that about you. He knows that about me. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Meaning, in the beginning, when God created everything perfect, Jesus was right there for you and for me. God was prepared for the sin that would overcome us and separate us from His love. And the Bible says what we try to do instead is we try to fix our own sin. We try to fix our own problem, which isn't going how we're supposed to be going with God. You can't fix your sin. I can't fix my sin. Only God can do that. So God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, to this earth to live a perfect life that we couldn't live. He died on a cross for our sins. They put Him in a grave. They buried Him in a tomb. But He arose three days later. And the Bible says, When I believe that in my heart, and I confess that with my mouth, I shall be saved. When I believe Jesus died for my sins, He rose that I might be completely forgiven for my sin, I will be saved. And only then can I go where God wants me to go. Because only then will the Spirit of God be upon me. I don't know where you are this morning, but maybe you're here and that's what you need to accept. You need to invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. 
Maybe here this morning you've been going to places you know you shouldn't have been because you haven't been preparing your heart. You haven't been remembering the presence of God. You haven't been ready for the how. I'm glad last week we prayed for our youth as they prepared to go to camp. Maybe that's what you need this morning. You need to come and pray for your week and pray for your day and pray for your family because you know God is leading you for places you should go. This is going to be our time of invitation. I'm going to ask Jason to come down. If you need to pray with someone, he'll be here. If you need to come and kneel before the Father, he'll be here. If you want to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you can come and say, Hey, Jason, I, I want to be saved. Will you pray with me? Will you, you tell me how I can know? That's why he's here. But let's pray together. And we're going to continue to worship him. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Thank you for your... Your promise of your word, Lord, that wherever we go, you go. And Lord, in this image in Joshua 3, you go before us. You know what lies ahead. You know the future, Lord. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. Nothing is hidden from your sight. So Lord, help us as your people to trust you, to follow your lead, to be where we need to be and, and to be doing the things so we're prepared for how we should be doing those things. Lord, I believe it is the desire of everyone's heart here to be where you want them to be and doing what you want them to be doing. And I thank you that your word shows us how we can do that. Forgive me, Father, if I failed you, if I've gotten in your way. If there's anything I said that has not been your word, Lord, take it from our hearts and our minds, from our, rem our remembering it. Allow your word to impact us deeply into our heart. We know it does not come back void. I thank you for what you're doing in this place, what you're doing with this church. I thank you for the rain outside. Father, you are good. We praise you. We come this time of invitation. Let it be a time where we are not just hearers of your word, but doers. And what you've laid upon our heart, let us be responding and to go and not to be worried about any obstacle, what may someone else may think. But Lord, just to be faithful. So we give this time to you. We ask that you alone be glorified in it. We ask that you alone be praised in everything we say and do in, in the moments ahead. And praise all in the name of Jesus. Amen.